After a year of isolation, a lot of us want nothing more than to get out there and interact with other people. New York City's public markets are one way to ease your way back into socialization. The company Urban Space is the brains behind some very nifty food halls and seasonal markets in locations such as Times Square, Bryant Park, Union Square, and Columbus Circle. I'm George Boldarki, and this is Cityscape. Our guest this week is Urban Space President Eldon Scott. Eldon, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. Oh, it's great to be here. So can you give us a brief history of Urban Space? Oh, I'll try to be brief. Um, Urban Space was started in 1972, if you can believe it, before my time. I was a kid um, by Eric Reynolds in London. Uh, And the first big project was a place called Camden Lock, which if you visited London, you might have been to. still going. And it was a marketplace that came about because at the time there were blue laws in London and you couldn't um, sell retail on Sundays. Um, But a lot of young people were out and about and the idea of creating a marketplace where they could go um, was super exciting, obviously very successful. So it started because of that, obviously the laws have changed and it grew from there and became one of the biggest tourist and visitor destinations in, in London. How did it get to New York? I was over there i'm i'm an urban planner by background and i was working as a planner in london and i ended up working with eric reynolds um gosh and that was the late 80s um and i i was there working with him for three or four years and at some point i just wanted to get back to new york and i was so excited and full of things that i'd learned in england and in europe um, and wanted to to bring that company to to New York, and that's how that happened. And where did you set up shop first with an urban space project? The very first thing we did was actually um, holiday markets, uh, and the very first holiday market was in Grand Central Terminal. They had just renovated um, the main waiting room, uh, and they didn't quite know what to do with the space. And I had met someone at the MTA and we said, well, why don't we try a market? And we, this, I think this was October. So it was only a month or two before the holiday market, the holidays were going to start. Um, they said, give it a go. So we did. And um, it was, it was a success. So what's the mission or vision behind your projects? Um, well, there's three kind of mission statements or, or pillars that we've talked about, which we've developed over the years. And I think for us, they've really held up. Um, one, one is curation, because the whole idea is that we're, um, we're helping our customers because we're kind of picking and trying to find things that are of interest, um, both from a product point of view, but also just from a culture point of view. Um, entrepreneurship, um, because it's about really supporting small business. We don't you know, generally work with large, large businesses, larger kind of national chain businesses and community. And maybe community of the three is kind of the most important um, because I think that's ultimately what these places are is they're about, about community, about other people. Um, yes, you might be getting something to eat. Yes, you might be buying a candle um, but that's not really the, the, you can buy a candle on Amazon. Um, it's about being in the city, being in a place, being around other people. 
Yeah, as someone with an urban planning background, talk to me more about that and the importance of public space and bringing people together, especially in a city. I've always been interested in in cities and places, and um, I gravitated to New York. Um, I also gravitated to London, which are both really great and amazing cities. And I've always just had an interest in, or the way I saw places as as physical places and not as databases or catalogs of things. Um, and one of the things that that we that we talk about is setting the table because we're we're physical beings, you know, we live in space and how you interact to other people on the street, what this dimension of the street is, what the dimension of the traffic lane might be, all kind of relate to your experience of being in a city and just being. Um, one of the things when we did Spitalfields Market in London, I, I learned from Eric, um, it was an old market hall. It was an old 19th century market hall um, that had been a wholesale fruit and veg market. And what was great about the space is it was just a great big shed and it was a place where you could bring people together and they could see each other and interact with each other. One of the great things about Grand Central, for example, is this great big room and people flow through it and you, you can perceive all the entrances and exits and sort of see the people and in, in, in picture where you are and everyone can kind of picture that place in the city. Um, so when we do a market, and this correlates back to to how, how, you know, can you create community? Well, you sort of can, um, and you can do it in an authentic way. And the way you create community is everyone knows how to throw a dinner party or everyone's been to a dinner party or had a dinner party. So what is a dinner party? It's, it's a physical space. You have a room and you have a table. And if the table is too big or too wide or really big and round, you can't hear the people across from you. So you're not gonna really be engaging with those people. It's the same thing in a, a restaurant or a marketplace. How do you set it up physically such that the people can really interact you know, and, and be together? So one of the ways we think of a marketplace or a food hall is a little bit like setting a table and inviting a bunch of interesting people to a dinner party. And we're not creating community, but we're creating the opportunity for community to, to kind of foster in that, in that place. That's sort of my my urban planning background coming into this. And it sounds like you let the space tell you what that project should look like in the end. Absolutely. We're always looking for characteristics of space that are going to lend themselves, you know, to, to a great place. Not all, not all spaces work out. The ceilings are too low. The, there's not enough visibility to the street. There's no seating, you know, the, and, or you're not in a part of the city where, there are enough other people walking by uh, to create that kind of energy. As you mentioned, you started here in New York with the holiday market at Grand Central, but you now have more holiday markets, right? Yeah, I mean, it's been many years since we started doing that. Um, and we don't run that, that one anymore, but we, we now have other markets that we do. Um, we work with um, Dan Biederman at Bryant Park. We work with Parks Department in a couple of locations, Union Square and Columbus Circle. Um, and it's been really wonderful and it, with all the things we've done sometimes when we're setting up the union square holiday market which has now been for several decades i still get excited to see all the, the little structures go up and it's like it's like building a small village it's a, a city within a city um and it, it's always still exciting and 
you know, the, a lot of the vendors we've known for a long time and they start coming back and everyone says hello. And it, it is a little mini kind of community within a larger community. You mentioned that you work with entrepreneurs. You're not looking to work with big corporations. That being said, do you work to keep it affordable to rent space in your markets? I mean, it, it basically has to be affordable or, or people won't come and come back. So it, 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 it sets itself to some degree. Um, but of course, you're always looking for ways to, to make the business work and to make it work for, for the vendors and entrepreneurs that are part of it. It just, it, it has to, or it won't work. How do you select vendors for your markets and other urban space projects? You know, we have um, what we call a curation department. We don't like to call it a leasing department because um, we see it as much more about thinking about what's relevant. Um, so we have people who are doing that all year round, just meeting and thinking. And um, we have people coming up to our office. We, you know, we did before COVID and then starting again, which is great. Um, and always just trying to stay in touch with what people are doing, what they're looking to do. Do you have more vendors than you have space? More vendors applying, I should say? Yeah, we do. There's, um, it, we'll, we'll see what the recovery looks like. But thus far, um, for the holiday markets, it, it looks to be um, you know, as strong or stronger than, than pre-COVID. Um, we did open during COVID um, one of the markets. And you know, we had really good response from that. The sales were not... You know, we're, we're not pre-COVID sales, but I think that there was a lot of appreciation just to be just to be out and supporting something in the city. What has the last year plus looked like for you with the pandemic? Well, it you know it was horrible um, for for us and for all of our partners because you know restaurants couldn't open, um, you know, markets couldn't open, um, um, but we did decide and we worked with our, you know, our various partners um, and the city the city was great um, to figure out what would the standards be to open um, at least one of the outdoor markets last holiday when we were still in the middle of a lot of the, the lockdown or a lot of the restrictions. And um, so we were able to open at reduced capacity and all these kind of things. Um, and it was, no one was making you know a lot of money from that but i think everyone or most people were very happy to be involved and be part of new york again and just trying to help new york get back and, and make places that um, people are familiar with to to go back and visit are there things that you're now approaching differently lessons that you've learned as a result of the pandemic as you approach new projects uh i think it mostly reinforces what we were doing which is creating um, creating places that are for, for and about people. Um, you know, clearly um, technology is more in play than it was and it's, that's accelerated and that's, you know, you see that across, across the economy. Um, so we, we've been able to adopt more technology, but that's, I think when I said in the beginning, that's not really not why people are going to markets or going to restaurants or going to food halls. They're going to, be with other people. So that is, that hasn't really changed. Yeah, there is no doubt something really special about perusing a market. I mean, I know I feel that way every time I walk into a market, whether it's a holiday market or not, it just feels warm and comfortable. Yeah, there's, it's, it's hard to explain exactly what it is. And it's funny because it, it doesn't really photograph that well. You can't 
supported. It just is a feeling of being there amongst, uh, amongst other people and amongst all the activities that are going on. How do you market to both locals and tourists? Uh, I think we, we market that it's interesting to back up on what, what is marketing. Cause we've thought a lot about this. Um, First of all, it's very interesting because in the restaurant space, I don't think we as an industry have been very good at marketing. We've just had very good at finding great locations and, and having a shingle that gets put out in a great space that people know about in their neighborhood. Um, the kind of digital marketing revolution has really been thrust upon us in the last 18 months um, as delivery became a bigger component, so on and so forth. But if you think about how we all know about brands or places, um, one way is is through our iPhones and 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 through you know digital advertising in the newspaper. But the but the the most common way is just really the mental map you have of your neighborhood or where you go to work. And I know I can just kind of walk in. I can be lying in bed and walk down the street that I normally walk, and I can picture every business that's there. So a lot of kind of restaurant and marketplace and urban marketing is really just your location and your presence in the street and how you fit into people's patterns. Um, I think what we're all learning more about is, is the digital extension of that. Um, but I think what we've seen thus far is those are great additional tools, but in no way replaces just the physical, the physical place of being there. How many projects has urban space developed now? Um, we have um, we have ten food halls, which are opening or reopening um, this year, which is pretty exciting, and we're proud of that, and we're we're very busy. Um, we have one down in D.C., two opening in Chicago, and the rest are in New York City. And as you mentioned, you're opening new projects, right? We have um, we're opening something um, uh, on 14th Street. Um, near Union Square. We're opening something downtown on Pearl Street. Um, and they're all so different and interesting. Um, the Pearl Street project was uh, a, a public plaza space that was mandated, you know, I don't, I'm not sure what year that was built. Um, and through a process that landlord um, was able to uh, get permission to enclose the space and add more retail to it. Um, but really in, with an eye towards making it an even more successful public space. So all the public space elements remain, but we now have entrepreneurs around it. So it gets back to our whole idea about how do you create community? And for us, creating community is bringing people to the table and bringing people to the table for us is bringing small businesses and entrepreneurs to that table. Um, you know, what is more interesting than a whole bunch of of you know, New York City entrepreneurs in a room. I mean, it can be a, a little chaotic, but it's not, it's always interesting. What's an example of one of your success stories, a vendor that set up shop at one of your projects, but now boom, they're huge. Well, I mean, the biggest success story back in the day was, um, was Body Shop many, many years ago in London. Um, she started, I think in the Midlands, but her first New York venture was, um, was selling, uh, soaps and shampoos and things at, at Camden market. Um, obviously that became a, a very big company, you know, here in New York, we have people that kind of graduate all the time, um, which is fantastic. You know, they might start and test an idea. Um, and then if that gains traction, they might op open a shop. 
Um, so that happens really all the time. And I think, I think with this recovery that we're, we're sort of stepping into, um, there's a lot of people who are reaching out to try an idea and get a foothold um, with the idea towards you know, expanding that business in other, other neighborhoods. Talk to me more about your food halls and what they have to offer. Um, you know, the whole idea behind the food hall is to provide a lot of different types of food under one roof. So if you're interested in, uh, you know, a, a hamburger or a, a chicken sandwich, great, you can have that. But if you're interested in vegan or salad or something healthy, you can get that. You can you can go in a group and people can go to different places and get different types of food. So that's one kind of inherent advantage to it. But I think more, more fundamentally, it's, it, again, it's about um, places of community. So one um, little, you know, thought test that I, I find interesting is if you go to, and I won't name names, but if you go to any kind of standard fast casual, there's a lot of streets in Manhattan where, or New York where there'll be, five or six different types of fast casual food lined up. And oftentimes the food is excellent and they're, they're, they're great businesses. Um, but you wouldn't necessarily want to sit there and have, you know, your boss or a good friend, you know, walk by and, and see you there. But when you're in a marketplace or a food hall, it's kind of okay. It's about just being in the place and you can actually just, you know, sit in a communal area and it's, you feel more, connected to the city than you would feel if you were sitting in, you know, XYZ um, fast casual restaurant. Do you have any particular advice about how to immerse yourself in a market or a food hall? Like where do you start? Is there a particular way that you think is the best way to that experience? Well, that's one place where, where technology is beginning to help um, or it does help a lot because, because now you can actually use technology to um, go to a table hit a QSR code, which became very common during the pandemic and see all of the different foods that are available and actually order them while you're sitting um, and have that organized for you on, on your iPhone or your device. So that's been very helpful. Um, if you just wanna go and experience, I mean, there's people going for different reasons. If you're a regular and you live or work right nearby, you probably already know where you're going and you've already figured it out. Like we all like to figure out where there's lines and not lines and all that. Um, if you're going for the first time, it can be like an assault on the senses. And I, I think that's one of the kind of exciting things about it. Um, so you have to, you have to have a, a, you know, you have to be up for that. If you're not up for it, then it, you know, it may not be where you want to be. Um, but it's interesting when we did Vanderbilt, which was um, our first permanent food hall, um, which is on, uh, right near Grand Central in the, the old Helmsley building. Um, we kind of purposely didn't want the architecture to be uniform. And I remember at the time, so a lot of the architects and construction people said, oh, okay, well, you're, now you're in Midtown. So what are your design standards? You know, it's all going to look the same. But we're like, no, it's, you know, we want it, it. What we're doing is we're creating the infrastructure. So we were bringing in the venting and the electricity and the utilities. Um, but it, to us, it's like an artificial reef. Um, and when you, I don't know if you ever snorkeled or dived, but an artificial reef, you, drunk, you dump some old tires and uh, concrete blocks um, in the water 
And the purpose of it isn't the concrete blocks and the tires, it's the fish, right? It's the color and the color in the community comes from the fish that come to habitate, inhabit that space. So to us, a food hall is, is similar. Um, so we didn't want it to be uniform. We wanted the different chefs to be able to express what their brand is and what their food is. And that's part of the cacophony of going to a food hall. And it has some warts on it and things are not as regular as if you went to um, a regular cafeteria, but that's what, that's what we're looking for. Spring Up is currently happening at Bryant Park, right? What can you tell us about that? Well, it's, it, we, we wanted to do a market that um, was celebrating not only obviously the weather, but um, you know, hopefully coming back on the backside of the pandemic. Um, so obviously Spring Up was about, you know, let's get up again, let's, let's enjoy being in the city. Um, and it's been really wonderful. I've been, you know, I went and saw the Philharmonic two nights ago who, who've also been playing in Bryant Park. Uh, and it's great to see a lot of people kind of out and about. Um, what we wanted to do was um, create an opportunity for small businesses um, you know, we hooked up with New York Nico, who's been, you know, really great partner and brought some interesting, um, businesses in through his network. And the whole idea is to, uh, get out and celebrate what's best about New York city. How much do you think that what you're offering is part of New York city's revitalization? I mean, helping out these businesses, bringing people back, getting them back out there, you know, we don't have any data on that. Um, these are very emotionally important places in the city, you know, places like Bryant Park, um, Grand Central. Um, they are places that, again, back to that visual map that we all have of our city. Um, so we think the opportunity to be able to bring a small, small business into a very central part of the city like that is exciting for those businesses. Obviously, and I think we've all seen it, um, small businesses and you know, retail and restaurants are such a huge part of our economy and also our enjoyment of, of what the city is. Um, and I think we've, you know, we missed it when it was all shut down. So anything to, to bring that back and, and, and celebrate it and provide an, an opportunity for those businesses to start making sales again is really important. We should also mention that many of these businesses gave back themselves even during the pandemic, right? While the food halls were closed, many of these vendors were donating to healthcare workers, donating food, meals to healthcare workers in hospitals and all over the city. Yeah, absolutely. There was a, a lot of, our vendors spent a lot of time just trying to figure out how they could help and where they could get food and you know how we could you know do something nice for the healthcare workers. And, and that was... A huge labor of love. I don't, you know, people were not um, really profiting from doing that, but I think people felt compelled to to want to help. So, what's next for Urban Space? What's the future look like? Do you think we're we we want to, and we are, um, you know, building more of these places, and we're looking at other, you know, places even beyond the core, the core of the city to do it. Um, and I think the big challenge for us remains how do we how do we um, grow a business and keep a sense of authenticity and a sense of community. And we're very good in this country uh, at um, 
you know, creating the idea of the chain store or the franchise, um, which is eminently replicable and you can get great products at low prices. Um, but those places for the most part have little soul. And what I'm really interested in is how do you bring back or how do you maintain soul and community for, for any place where, where we might live? Um, and how do you do that in multiple places without, without losing that intent? So that's like the number one challenge. It'd be easy for us to just build a lot of these, but how do we build all these and create, keep that infrastructure so, so that local businesses and local creative people can use that space to express whatever, whatever it is that they do? That said, do you have any ideas outside of what you're doing with urban space for the city in terms of its revitalization, economic development going forward? I, I just think it's, it just became so obvious that supporting the life of streets through businesses is, is as important as ever. Um, you know, we had the challenges of the digital era before the pandemic, then we've had the pandemic and, you know, I've, been on a couple of panels and we've you know, talked to people about public space and streets. And I think that there's a lot of people in the city thinking about this. I think that the you know, outdoor seating has been a really interesting experiment and in engaging with the street. Um, and these are just critical to how we enjoy and live in, in a city. And, and it's really important that we support them. And I think a lot of people are supporting them. What would you say has been your greatest lesson since joining Urban Space these many years ago now? The greatest lesson? I think the greatest lesson is we have a social outlook. Um, I mean, at Root, we want to create these places of community, um, but they have to be done within the discipline of a business framework. So we're not a not-for-profit, and I think purposely so. We want it to be something that's economically sustainable, um, such that you know, customers want to come. And there's a discipline around that. And anyone who runs a small shop or a restaurant knows what that, that discipline is. If you don't have the right product, the customers aren't going to come. So I think that learning about what business is and how you can contribute socially through a thriving business um, has been an interesting journey that I keep learning about. This might be like asking a parent who their favorite child is, but do you have a favorite project? I will get in trouble, but I, you know, I do have to say that, you know, Union Square, we've been working in just for so many years and I, I just, something, uh, I get excited every time we, we start that project up again. All right. Is there anything else that we didn't talk about that you'd want to add? No, I think um, just go out and uh, support your local businesses. Eldon, thank you so much for your time. Thanks a lot. Eldon Scott is the president of Urban Space. More information at urbanspacenyc.com. I'm George Bolarki. My thanks to producer Madison Colombo. Our music is courtesy of bensound.com. Thank you so much for listening.
WFUV strikes a chord for LGBTQ homeless youth. My name is Amy Wilkerson and I'm the Vice President of Youth and School Programs at Sheltering Arms. At Sheltering Arms, we have a wide variety of programs. We have education programs such as early childhood education and after school programs. We have youth development programs like group homes for youth in foster care, residential programming for runaway and homeless youth, drop-in centers, and um, residential programs for young people in a juvenile justice setting. Every program we have at Sheltering Arms provides a safe, supportive, and nurturing environment for LGBTQ youth. Our drop-in centers are called Safe Space, and they're called Safe Space for a reason. For runaway and homeless youth, and LGBTQ youth especially, our Safe Space drop-in centers are the go-to location to receive the supports that they need. For more information about organizations that assist LGBTQ homeless youth, visit wfuv.org slash strike accord.